everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. All right, guys, so here's what I wanted to do while we get ready with our, uh, our teaching I'm going to ask you guys to pass around this beautiful present that has been, that has been uh, wrapped around by the professional rapper, uh, Amanda Peters. And so here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you that as you pass it around, that you take a, little, that you take a piece of this and keep it to yourself. So rip a piece, keep it, and then keep passing it around, all right? Does that make sense? Any questions? Perfect. It's very simple. You guys are in high school. You should know how to destroy things. A lot of you have destroyed many things in your life. So you're destroying the paper, right? But take some out and then pass it around and then we'll grab it from you at the very end, all right? In the meme, uh, and here's a disclaimer too. Please do not become a destroyer. No, no, you gotta, gotta keep it. You keep it. There you go, Trent. Keep it, all right? Now, here's the thing, Don't, do not become a distraction with it, though, like, you know, come on, like, just take your rib and pass it around, and then go around, and then at the bag, you know, pass it over, and then we'll come all the way here. But we're doing our series on summer love, and it's a series on relationship. And last week, we started it talking about this idea of love. We define love because it is crucial for us to understand what love is. We talk about how among us, or I should say, as human beings, our fear, our, 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 what drives us for our pursuit of finding love is that fear of being alone. At the core of everything, we all are afraid of being alone. That is why we devote ourselves our entire life finding someone that can fill that hole, that, that hole or fear of love. We, we, we find relationships, we find friendships, we find someone that we want to date, and we're willing to do whatever it takes so long as we don't feel alone. We get into relationships with people assuming that they love us. We talk about the definition of love. Love is not based on emotions and feelings, but how love, true love, what we see in the Bible, is a love that is caring, sacrificial, and servant, that doesn't have their own interest, their best interest at hand, but the best interest of the other person. We talk about then how because of that pursuit of trying to fill that hole of loneliness, we're willing to be in a relationship that compromises all that we are. We're willing to be in a relationship where we're willing to give things out that we are not supposed to give just so that we don't feel alone. We think that we can find ourselves with somebody that will fill that emptiness of hole, but at the end of the day, it will not do it. And so that is why it is crucial for us to understand what love is. We talk about, too, the idea of sex. We talk about sex and how sex plays out on this. Because we think we come to a point where in our relationship that if you're not careful, you're willing to go over the boundaries that have been set before us by God. We're willing to go over those things because we think that if we do that, if we give that to someone else, then we will never have to remain alone. We talk about this whole thing of love and the relationship and, and love and sex and, and all these different topics. And today we're going to be covering three very key things. We're going to be talking about impurity. We're going to be talking about abuse. And we're going to be talking about holiness. And these topics that we're covering, they are very important for us to discuss, even way before we jump in into what it's like to date somebody. 
In our next sermon next week, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about this idea of the one. We're going to be talking about dating, and we're going to talking about and we're going to talk about marriage. And then at the very end of the series, we're going to do a Q and A where I, we have asked you guys to submit questions. The number will come at the end of the message where you can submit questions. Nobody will know who you are. You're going to come off as a John Doe or as a John Deere. I don't know what's the term for a woman. John Doe is a woman. And what? Oh, Jane Doe, John and Jane. So you come up like them at the very end, and that way we will not know who you are. We'll do this side too, uh, Jeff. Oh, perfect, yeah. So reap apart, keep it. So impurity, let's start with that one. Anytime, in, especially in church, anytime we talk about impurity, this is what we typically think. We think that immediately we're going to be discussing topics as masturbation and pornography. We think that those two topics right there is all that encompass this idea of impurity. And although these two topics have a lot to do with purity or impurity, that's not what necessarily we're doing today. See, there is something within us as human beings that we have a desire to fulfill our, ourselves with things that this world gives but the reality is that thing that we want ourselves ourself to fulfill ourselves with is never enough. And that is why we are in this pursuit of, of fulfilling ourselves with things in the world that only God can give. And this idea of impurity goes beyond the, the act of bringing yourself some, some self-pleasure. It goes beyond that. It's encompassed you as a whole being. It's encompassed you as a man. It encompasses you as, you as a woman. It encompasses your mind. It encompasses your actions. It encompasses your whole being. And that is why before we even address the idea of what is dating should look like and relationship and the one and marriage, we have to discuss this idea of impurity. Because impurity is something that drives all of us to do something that at the very end, at the end of it all, once everything is set in stone, it will be something that leaves us all dry, sick, shame, dirty, disgusted, sorrowful, and ashamed, which is why we have to talk about it. For that, we're going to go in the book of John, in John chapter 4, at the very beginning of the, of the book of John, we have the story of the woman and the, the woman of Samaria. And this story of the woman in Samaria is a, is a story of a woman that had a past. And to make the story shorter for the sake of time, we have a woman that had been struggling with relationship. They had, she, has a, she had a hole in her heart that needs to, a, a hole in her heart that needs to be filled, and she was filling that with relationships. And we told in the story that she had had about five husbands or five, or five people that she'd be in a relationship, and she was now onto her sixth relationship. And we're told that in this, this discussion that she has with Jesus, we, we find ourselves on truly what was going on. She had a hole that in her life and that she was trying to fill out with things that this world was given. She thought that the only thing that will bring her fulfillment, the only thing that will be given satisfaction will be found on those relationships. And yet we find ourselves here in verse 13. This is what it says in verse 13 of chapter 4. Jesus talking with her says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water 
welling up to eternal life. So in the setting, she's getting water, and Jesus starts his conversations with her, and she and says, hey, what you're looking here will, will, have, will make you come back and get some more. What you're trying to get here in this well will not satisfy you because the water that is here will run out, so then you're going to have to come back again and get some more. But the water that I have to give you, the, the thing that I have to give you will satisfy you forever. And so the problem with impurity and the, thing, and, 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 the, and the whole concept of impurity is that we as human, our attempt, our desire is to go out into the world and look for things in this world that can give us that only God can give. We try to look for satisfaction. We try to look for fulfillment. We try to look for happiness. We try to look for pleasure. We try to look for all these different things that at the very end, and truly the only thing or the only one that can give us those things is God. And then we find ourselves going from over the point of purity to impurity, what is meant to be beautiful, what is meant to be protected, what is meant to be special, it now becomes impure. It's not protected, and it's not longer special. And we're willing to do all of that for the pursuit of something out there that can only be found of God. And the, pro- the problem with that is because of sin. Sin is anything that we do that opposes God. Sin is the very thing that is wrong, that we know is wrong, and yet we still do it. But this is how sins work. It has worked this way from the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1, or not chapter 1, chapter 3, when they talk, when we have the whole uh, uh, creation and the interaction with Adam and Eve. We see how sin plays out by the serpent. The first thing that we see about sin is that sin is very crafty. I don't know if you ever saw this uh, meme back in the days, or I think it may be around, where there's like a guy hiding behind like a tree, and he's like this, like savoring things, right? It's like a big guy, like kind of like me. He's like this, you know. That's how sin works. It's watching. It's in the dark. It's waiting for the right time to be presented to you so that when it is the right time, it attacks you and takes away from you what is only for you to give to God, what is only you to give for whoever you're going to marry, whoever God has for you. Here's what sin is. Sin separates you from God. God being holy cannot be in the presence of impurity. Before that reason, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that through his blood, through his sacrifice, you and I can be cleansed of our sin. But for that, we have to believe in that sacrifice. Yet again, though, sin is the tool that Satan uses to separate us from God and to keep us away from God. And it is crafty. He is sneaky. He puts it in front of you. He puts it in front of us as something that is good, as something that is valuable, as something that you're going to enjoy, as something that you must do right now, right this second. And that is how sin works. The other thing is it's alluring. It looks good. It's attractive. It's pleasant. It's enjoyable at least momentarily, and it's easy to assess it, to, to, to have access to it. Think about all those things that we have talked about in purity. Even talk about those two things that we talk about. This idea of pornography, masturbation, going over the relationship with your, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, going over the line. It's, a, it's easy to do it. It is enjoyable, and it's something that you may find, may, 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 may want to do in the right in that second. It's alluring. It's attractive. It's something that you, you cannot take your eyes away from it. But that, and that is how sin works. And the third thing we see about sin, that is the thing that is the saddest part about sin, is that it always betrays you. 
It's crafty, it's alluring, but it will always betray you. What you think you're doing now that is worth it, that is something that is willing to endure, that is willing to give a part of you away, is something that's going to come back and hurt you. The conversations that you're having now with your friends, the things that you're having or that you're saying around, that you're bragging about, hey, I'm doing this with this girl, or hey, I'm doing this with this guy, or hey, I watched this, I listened to this, I say this, I did this. Those things that you think you're bragging about right now, they're going to be the things that when you're married, if God give, it, if God give you that opportunity, they're going to be the conversations that you're going to have with your spouse are going to be the most hurtful conversations, the things that you're going to wish to go back in time and change which is why it's so important to understand how sin works. The momentary pleasure and feelings that sin gives do not compare to the lasting damage and shame that leaves behind. That is what impurity does. It may be fun and games now, but down the road, when the dust settle, it's going to be hurtful. It's going to leave you with shame, and it's going to be something that you're going to wish back Back, you're going to look back in your life and wish that you would have not made those decisions. That pursuit of looking for things in the world to fulfill you that only God can give you is what will lead you to the point of impurity. Why do we make a big emphasis on impurity? One, because it is it's not how we're supposed to live, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the other thing, the other danger of impurity is that when you have an impure mind, when you have an impure way of life, you put yourself in a situation where you may find yourself doing more, more, and more. The woman in the story, she had what she was into her sixth relationship. What she thought that it was going to fix her, to fulfill her, didn't happen on the first one, on the second one, on the third one, on the fourth one, on the fifth one, and now into her sixth, it will not do it again. And then in a similar way, you may find yourself, I may find myself looking for things into this world that in that moment may do, it, may do us good, but it will not be enough, and then we're going to move into the next thing, into the next thing, into the next thing. And then we find ourselves now jumping into the thing of abuse. Abuse is such a difficult topic to address especially here in, in an audience like this. My desire, my prayer, and my hope is that none of you have ever dealt with that. But the reality is in the world that we live in, some of you have, may have dealt with that already. In fact, we have in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're told what kind of man will, or what kind of people will be in this world. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, there will, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Avoid such people, he says, for, such, for among them are those who creep into the household, meaning even in the church, even in the place that is supposed to be a place of celebration, of worship, of holiness, a place where we come here recognizing that we're a sinner and that we are fall or we, are, we fall short of the glory of God and how we desperately need him because of that. Even in a place such as that, we find people like this. 
capture a weak woman, but burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as the Jains and Jarvis opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. This is a warning that Paul is giving this people, uh, uh, Timothy, as he's going to take over this church, as he's going to take, or, or, or take over this opportunity to become a leader for some people. We have the warning that he gives me over the type of people that, that is going to be around us in the later of times. These are the people that we encounter in this world today, and sadly, even in the church. But all of this is a result of people that have devoted themselves to an impure life. And when you are willing to cross the border of impurity, of impurity, when you're willing to look out in the world for things to fulfill you, for things to satisfy you, ignoring the fact that only those things can be found on God, is when you can put yourself in a position where you're willing to be, do whatever it takes. That is why you see men that are abusing women. That they lure them, they, 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 they are like a, a wolf that prays their, 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 uh, their like, they, like they praise them, I don't even know how to say the word, like, like a prey, like an, an innocent dove that is there going after them just to get whatever they want out of them. Because what they did back then, the thing that they started doing was not longer enough, so they move into the next thing. And that thing that they did was not enough, so they move into the next thing. And now the next thing and then they, then they find themselves now in a position where they are abusing women. They find themselves dealing with them in a way that they shouldn't be dealing. They think that what they're doing to them will bring pleasure and satisfaction and happiness, ignoring that that can only be found in a relationship with God. Same way you can see how women too can pursue and persuade guys into doing things and give part of themselves that they've been trying not to give with the assumption that if you do this, I'm going to be happy. And if I'm happy, I'm going to make you happy. And this is how things get out of hand to the point that now we're borderline and we're dealing with abuse. And then there are three things that we need to recognize about abuse. It's one is that it's never justifiable. Abuse is never justifiable. There's nothing that you can say that you can abuse. And here's what's sad, too. You may not see this. You may, not be, you, you may find yourself saying, you know, I don't, I, I'm not an abusive person. I have never dealt wrong with a girl. I have never dealt wrong with a guy. But you may find yourself in a position where you're abusing yourself, where you're putting yourself in a position where you're hindering yourself, where you're hurting yourself, where you're hurting your mind, where you're hurting your body, where you're doing all these things for, that, for an assumption of thinking that those things will bring pressure and satisfaction. But at the end of the day, those things are not justifiable. Sin is ne- or abuse is justifiable. Number two, abuse is not door- worth in- enduring. There is always that thing that we go, for people that are dealing with abuse, they have to wrestle with this lie that, man, may- maybe if I put up with this long enough, that person will change. Maybe if I put up with this long enough, maybe they will recognize the hurt that they're doing in me. Maybe if I put up with this long enough, then they will recognize who I am and they will value me for who I am and then things will change. Listen, no abuse is worth enduring. If you find yourself in an an abusive relationship, if you find yourself dealing with abuse, there's no way to justify it and there's no reason for you to endure it. 
Stop talking, stop talking yourself into it. Stop talking yourself into enduring it because it is not worth enduring. And then number three, abuse needs to be talked and it needs to be confronted. If you are in an abusive relationship, if you know someone that is in an abusive relationship, don't turn your eyes, don't, 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 don't look aside. You address it, you confront it, and you talk about it. Do not be in an abusive relationship. We talked about this last week, about you ladies, you're worth it, you're beautiful, you're special, you're God's gift to men. That when God created men and he said, you guys need help. You need something special. You need something that, that will help you be the men that you're supposed to be. And so he gave us men, women. You are special, valuable, and needed in the life of a man. Men, we need to recognize them for who they are. We need to value them. We need to respect them. And we need to honor them. And that is why God designed this awesome picture, this beautiful picture of marriage that we're going to dive in. I desperately need Jenny in my life as my wife. She makes me a better man. She makes me a better person. She makes me a better father. She makes me a better pa pastor, a better individual. God placed her in my life in a way to be better. And so I need to treat her as someone that is deserving of that. Although I may fall, fall short of that at times, although I may not treat her as such, that does not justify my action. I still need to treat her as the person that God has placed in my life, as someone beautiful and special. That's how, guys, we need to view girls. And that doesn't start in marriage. That doesn't start in dating. That starts today with any woman that you encounter with. But the thing with abuse is, is that we can find ourselves discussing and talking about all these different arguments where we think that it's justifiable, that it's okay, that it's worth it in doing all of these things with a hope that will never arrive. If you are in an abusive relationship, if you know someone that is in an abusive relationship, you get out of there quick, you address it, you talk about it, you confront it. It's not something that is worth enduring. And with that, we transition to this idea of holiness because the opposite of impurity is holiness. Holiness is at all that we should all be thriving to be. And we're told in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 and 5. If you ever find yourself wondering what is God's will for your life, what does God want from your life, this is one of the things that clearly we know what he wants from our life. He says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that it is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful fashions like the Gentiles who do not know God. Very clearly, he says, this is what God wants from you, that you will be sanctified, that you will be holy, that you will be set apart for God's glory. That is, that you will not be looking in this world for things to satisfy you, for things to look to bring you pleasure, for whether in relationships, in people, in things, in videos, in conversations, in whatever it is, that the only person that can bring you the satisfaction and fulfillment that you're looking is only found in God. And so that God's desire, his will for you and for me is that we will not allow the sexual immorality in this world, in the world that we live in, that is accessible, that is luring, that is tempting, that is crafty, that we will not allow those things to captivate us, but then rather us pursue after God, recognizing that he is the only one that can bring that that fill that hole that we have in our life, that God came to give us life and life in abundance. That's what we need to recognize. And look what he says in verse 7. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, 
but in sanctification. Now, there's an assumption as individuals that we have when it comes to this idea of holiness, and that, that we think that it is the best thing to wait for God to work in our life. And let me stop there for a second because it's something that we need to address. It is good to wait on God for things, but it is a dangerous thing to wait on God when he tells you to do things that you and I need to do. It is okay for you to wait on God on whether or not the person you're dating is who he, who he has for you. It is okay to wait on God if you are interested in someone and you would like to pursue that. But it's not okay to wait on God when he has clearly told you that you and I need to do something. Sanctification is something that we don't wait on. We don't just wait and pray and ask God to remove this temptation of our life and just stay still till he does that. We don't just stay there and ask God, hey, God, do this in my life, and, and, and I'll just wait for you to do it. And while you take your time on doing it, I'm going to continue to enjoy these things. There is a danger waiting on God to do things for us that he has clearly stated you and me that we need to do. And sanctification is one of those things. To stay away from immoral, immoral passions, sexual desires, that is one of the things that God has clearly said for us to do. And so that again, I ask for that box that, uh, Jeff, if you have it. And here's how I want you to understand how this idea of impurity works. Because the way impurity works, it's very simple. It's very, impurity, if you're not careful, is going to lead you to abuse. But not only to abuse, it's going to lead you to a place that you're going to be doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. It's going to lead you to a place, it's going to make you give things about you that you're not supposed to give. It's going to lead you to do things that you're not supposed to be doing. And it's going to push you away from what God wants from your life, which is exactly to be sanctified, to be holy, set apart. To be someone that it is committed to him only, recognizing that only in God you can find the things that will bring pressure, pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment. And so here's the thing. What is meant to look like this, something beautiful, something special, something that needs to be protected, that is, that is to, be, to be a gift to somebody. When you start around and you start allowing the sin and temptation in your life, it start doing this for you. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to give over, to erase that thing, you, the part you pick. All right? Now look at that. All of you should have gone some of this. If this boss was an individual, and this boss started giving himself to sexual immorality, pornography, masturbation, enduring, giving part of the... I, I, getting into relationships, active relationships with their girlfriend and boyfriend, the things that you give away are things that you will never be able to get back. This boss that was supposed to be something beautiful, something special that you were supposed to give it to your spouse, that what God meant for you to give to your spouse, it's not going to look the way that it was designed if you're not careful and if you find yourself giving things of you that you're not supposed to give. And so here's why it's important. We're going to end with this. Two things that I want you to understand. If you're dealing with, if you're dealing with abuse, if you find yourself here dealing with abuse, or you find yourself dealing with a strong sin or a strong struggle of temptation and sin, I, I, I love what Psalm said, or David says in Psalm 147, uh, verse 3. He says, he heals the brokenhearted 
and binds up their wounds. So the idea here is not God using a first aid kit. You know, it's, the, it's, it's in the Old Testament history, you know, the battles, how they go out and how gruesome and terrible battles were. And then the picture that he's play, portraying here is a God in the, middle, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of destruction. He goes in and he cares and then for those that are broken, for those that are struggling. He, he's tender and caring. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He can do that to you too if you find yourself, if you had dealt with abuse, if you're dealing with abuse, you can find healing in God. You can go to God, ask him, talk to him. If you don't know how to do that, there are leaders here that would love to show you how to do that. The other thing is, for those of us that are struggling, or for those of us that may find ourselves struggling with sin, temptation, this is a prayer that Paul or David has as well that I love. He says in Psalms 51.10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a, spirit, a right spirit within me. His prayer to God, what he's asking him is to change his heart, to renew his spirit. And in the same way, all of us are find ourselves struggling with sin, are find ourselves dealing with things. We desperately need a renew of our heart. We desperately need God to change our heart, to change our intentions, our, our attractions, to change the things that pushes us to do things that we shouldn't be doing. We desperately need that. When it comes to this idea of love and relationship and things like that, before we ever discuss what dating, marriage, and the one is, we need to address heavy things like this, like what love is, purity, abuse, and the standard that all of us need to have, which is holiness. This is God's will for your life. More than you become a professional, more than you become a successful person, more than you to be happy and, be, and have all the things that you want, his will for you first and most is to be sanctified. This is your call. You don't wait on that. You act on that, which is why we pursue purity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the testimony that it is to, um, that we can come here to church and be able to learn from you, Lord, if Father, that we will recognize the importance of being of purity, that we will not let the craftiness or the allurance of sin, Lord, pull us into doing something that we're not supposed to give. Lord, I pray, Father, if there's anyone here enduring abuse, that you will give them the boldness and the strength that they need to step out of that, that they will be able to talk to somebody, Lord, so that that can be addressed and confronted, Lord. There is, there is no justification, no reason why someone should ever endure abuse, Lord. And I pray that if there's someone there that is doing that, that is enduring that today, Lord, that you will give him the strength and boldness to step out of it, Lord. But at the same time, just like we read, Lord, I pray that you will heal them and bind their wounds, Lord. Whether they're deep wounds or surface wounds, Lord, I pray that you will care for them, that you will love them, Lord, and that you will change them, Lord. I also pray, Father, for those of us that may find ourselves struggling with sin, that whether it's a purity sin, Lord, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, Lord, I pray that you will change our heart to your heart, that we will pursue after you, Lord, that we will recognize our standard, which is purity, that we will recognize, Lord, that we need to do this before anything else, Lord, this is your will for our life, Lord, and that we will pursue after you in that way. Father, I pray for all of those in this room. I pray that we will not be a group of students that 
look in the world for things that only you can give, Lord, that we will recognize that life and life in abundance is only found in you, Lord. I pray this in your name, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, the number on the screen, if you have questions, you may submit them. We're going to do a Q&A at the very end of the series. Good morning and city.